0: Tell me what, like around 2004, I think, mm-hmm. what was going on with you?
1: Well, I guess technically, technically I was, I was basically having kind of a mental breakdown.
0: You're listening to the Sub Pop Podcast. I am Arwen Nix, and today's episode is a conversation with Alan Sparhawk from Low. Lowe was in Seattle on tour recently, and Alan said I could come and talk with him at his hotel. So if it sounds like we are in an empty ballroom with an enormous air conditioning unit, that's because we are. Okay. So 12 years ago, Alan was on tour with Lowe, and he and his wife Mimi had started the band in 1993. Sub Pop began working with them in 2006. But it was 2004, and the band was on tour in Europe for their record The Great Destroyer. And Alan was in his early 30s, and for more than a year, he had been really depressed. Like, really, really depressed. He was battling what he described as episodes. It would be a day or two stretch where he would just be so out of it.
1: In your early thirties, it's pretty—at least for for men—it's pretty common that if if you're going to hit the wall, you usually hit it about then, because that's sort of when you're—that's sort of the moment where your your youthful arc (laughs) collides with the inevitable and, and of life.
0: So Alan felt off. He was smoking a lot of weed or using whatever came across his plate, and he went to the doctor to try and see if maybe some medication would help.
1: Which, to be honest, was probably the most treacherous of the whole process i think when they when they're trying things you know like, here try this I'm like well i don't know i mean you, you have to wait for weeks to tell whether something is working or not or tell whether it's gonna hit you adversely and um yeah it was weird it was kind of a collision of many things you know
0: so while on this tour in europe alan has basically stopped sleeping he is not performing well on stage, he will start songs that only he knows, or songs he only knows half of, songs that no one else in his band knows at all, and he would spend time incoherently rambling on the microphone, and it was really hard for his bandmates.
1: This just real uncomfortable as a performer, probably, and then as a, as you know, as my wife and essentially my best friend, you know, watching me sort of fall apart and, and become very, and really, really not not in control of myself, and then. You know, I had a notebook that I was writing in madly, and you know that's a pretty common thing for people when they're when they're starting to hit the wall. You'll, you'll write a lot in a notebook, and I had millions of ideas of how to fix this, and I had inventions, and oh, I know how we could do modular housing for the military, and, you know, all these all these things, and and, uh, and everybody around me, of course, was just getting nervous and manifesting. their, you know, their, everybody was dealing with it differently. My my wife was very very patient, of course, and and you know, my kids were very young, probably just didn't even know what was going on. They were. Dealing, dealing with being on tour you know and but yeah you know Zach who's our bass player you know very you know was, was very uncomfortable with what was going on and when we got back from that tour um, you know he, he said I just I just can't you know you, you gotta go do something that we can't deal with anymore so
0: when the tour was over Zach was one of the many people close with Alan who asked him to go and get help. And then Zach quit the band. And again, Alan also knew something was wrong, but at the same time, he felt like he was going through something important, like whatever he was getting to, he needed to get there. So Alan was talking to his wife, Mimi, and he said, I need to go spend some time in the woods. And she said, okay, but please take this friend of ours from church. And so the two of them, Alan and his friend, went out to a cabin.
1: Yeah, as soon as I got out there, it just, it just, it was very weird. It was just really, my grasp on reality really took a dive. I started, started getting delusions about I, was ble- I, ble- I believed that there was something sort of spiritually cosmic going on and there was going to be some, you know, it could be a little bit tied in with religion and sort of the second coming of, of Christ and sort of the conflict between good and evil and, and light and darkness and stuff. And I, I had this specific part I needed to play and I needed to just sit tight and close my eyes and stop speaking, which I did for a few days
0: after a few days of Alan not speaking and not opening his eyes, his friend was able to convince him to get in the truck and head back to town. And when he got back, his friend took him to the hospital.
1: I was still pretty delusional, but I guess part of me just just, just had kind of surrendered and really didn't... I don't know. I, I guess I felt like I'd been sort of trying to convince everybody that I was okay for so long that at that point I, I, I just kind of gave up.
0: So Alan got some sleep. He opened his eyes again. But he was pretty pissed off. In his mind, what he was going through, this important thing, this journey, had just been stopped in its tracks.
1: It, it's, it's like the whole pathway up to that made, it makes sense. It's like, well, of course, this is where we're coming to, right? And, and, and it's really... In some ways, it's a really great feeling because all the time coming up to that, you're like, "What is going on with me?" Part of you is going, "What? Like, There's something wrong here. What, what's the deal?" And then when you become to completely delusional, you realize, like, "Oh, oh, this is what's this is what's going on. I'm the Antichrist," and this is this is you know, it's just this is me just waking up to who I am, and you know, that's at a certain point, that's literally who I thought I was, and and and.
0: You thought you were the Antichrist. I thought I was the
1: Antichrist, but sort of in a but more in a not, not so much in a Satan you know I'm Satan and I'm going to kill Jesus it is, but it's more of a yin and yang thing kind of like
0: kind like of like there's in good the in cause, the world and yeah, then good there's, in it.
1: there's you know and if, if there is a figure that encompasses grace and, and good and just you know and, and, and love then there has to be a counterpart to that you know a representative that then is the representative of the imperfection of man and I guess you know that to me fed into it fed into an upbringing of you know I'm I'm Mormon I grew up Mormon and there's there's some very very heavy and very even even sort of existentially philosophical concepts in that 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 in some ways really really can can open the door to to a, a pretty wide and a cosmic view of, of God and, and who we are as humans, and so, so in some ways, that you know that became the the language of of delusion. And yeah, you get you get when when that f- slowly dissipates, and you realize, no, no, you were just just delusional, and you're this is how you're going to be. <laughs>
0: So this is what you were realizing after some rest in the hospital? Yeah,
1: yeah. As you're in the hospital, you kind of realize that. And, you know, family members and friends coming visiting you, and they have kind of that odd look on their face, like, that you start recognizing and and stuff. And it's just, yeah, it's weird. Like I said, you just, you feel like you're, you feel like you're, some, a journey or some sort of process that, some sort of metamorphosis that you needed to go through has been disrupted.
0: <laughs> the way he describes it, the unit he was in was not set up for helping people who are going through what he was going through. Many, if not most of the other patients, were coming down off of meth. So after five days, even though they wanted him to stay longer, Alan decided to go home.
1: I leave. I very, very happily go home and start smoking weed again, which I still, to this day, I really believe was was pretty key to coping and 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 eventually sort of sort of getting getting my getting a little bit of clearance from this uh, exercise, um, running, kind of in the midst of when I was sort of going a little crazy and obsessing about things as they went along. A good friend of mine was like, hey, let's go, let's go running. You know, you should go running. Let's go running. Come running with us. And I mean, I was loopy enough at the time. Yeah, like, OK, OK, that'd be great. You know, and so. Yeah, so exercise was pretty key. But uh, yeah, I mean, I went home and. You know, <laughs> Everybody around you is <laughs> kind of stepping lightly and, and, and trying, to be, trying to be nice and, and trying to deal with something that they've never witnessed before. And, and of course, you know, you don't, you don't just go and get fixed. You know, it takes a long time and you're still very sick.
0: Alan had a very hard time with the different medications the doctors were trying on him. And when he heard the news about the passing of Chris Cornell... He immediately thought of his own struggles.
1: When we heard, we were in China when we heard when, when Chris died. And I remember hearing kind of some of the first few days, some of the information kind of trickling out, some of the medications he was on, and I remember just oh, as soon as I heard that, I was just like, "Oh, jeez," you know. And it just that was like the most sinking feeling to me I mean, I've 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 definitely experienced like like medications. The medications are so so gnarly and so treacherous you know I mean yes sometimes they're they're important and boy when you're in a really acute situation and if you're in a hospital or something like that then yeah I mean you know it's sometimes it's kind of the only way to get yourself out of something but man when they would try stuff on you I mean I I mean I I mean I I mean I had I had a suicide attempt I, I I swear off. I, and I really contribute a lot to the to like this the medication that they were trying on me at the time I just remember it just it just it was just it was very weird you know but you know the classic thing like oh it makes you numb and whatever and you don't think it was like kind of but so, some of them they're just kind of scrambling things and you're like ah, you know it's like it's like this motor spinning and you're not seeing a lot of the things that are around you and you like like you've it's it's almost like you're standing outside yourself watching this automaton making decisions and you're like, wait a minute, did we think about, no, like, oh, where's this? And so when I heard about Chris and and stuff, I'm like, well, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, it would, would, I mean, anything that messes with that moment of like, okay, what's going on here? I mean, if you can't do that, if you can't do that, then you're going to get in trouble, man. I mean, if you don't have that capacity to have that little part of your brain that goes like, "Okay, wait a minute, who's who's running the show?" Then you're you're gonna find yourself just just drifting on the wind. And it's so I don't know, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily go far, so far as to say to people, like, hey, if you're having a tough time, don't take medication. But, man, be really careful and just be really conscious of the fact that that is a whole other factor. And just, I mean, I don't know, I feel like doctors need to, be, need to stress more. They're like, look, we're going to try something on here, but you need to really keep your eyes open. And if this is throwing a new wrench in an already difficult machine, then, then you need to let us know right away.
0: I want to be clear medications are a godsend for many people who suffer from mental illness but over the years alan has found what works for him and what it is is sleep good diet lots of exercise and all that's easy when you're at home but it is a hell of a lot harder when you're on tour all the time and so alan told me he tries to get in some running every day that there's something important about just moving going left right, left, right, to get your two sides of the brain talking to each other. It's a lesson he says he took from when he did some EMDR therapy. That stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing.
1: I mean, a brief description of it is it's it's talk therapy that's sort of mixed in with a little bit of maybe what maybe looks like hypnotism or something. What you're doing is is stimulating the left and right side of your brain kind of back and forth. Sometimes you'll watch a light that goes back and forth. Sometimes you listen to some beeps that are kind of going in a headphones and go left and right, left and right. The theory is that the back and forth is this really very primal, simple way of getting the hemispheres of your brain to start communicating and talking back and forth, which when you're depressed and when you're under trauma, that does not happen. What happens is what the left and right does is kind of get your brain to kind of start communicating. And meanwhile, you're talking. You know, if there's something that's that day that's you stressed out about, you can talk about it. And, and it's interesting, is what I've found as this is going. As you know, as you're talking about what's going on, it'll, for some reason, your subconscious will open up. It'll, it seems like everything gets blurred a little bit, and you start getting, you're like, oh yeah, not. Nah, I remember now that sitting with my mother and her saying this or this or oh, I remember being under this thing that looks like it has bars on it or something or you're like oh I remember something you, yeah it's very very weird you'll it'll kind of bring up stuff and the objective ultimately is to like is to go to those places where there's trauma or memory or whatever and, and, and see it consciously and go. Oh, okay. Well, I'm. I'm not. You know. I'm not being sexually molested by by these fucking teenagers in this car. You know. And and so you can kind of say, okay. I'm here now. I'm fine. This isn't. This isn't happening. And the, ultimately, the idea is to then get your primal. Your primal side of your mind to, to, to let it go.
0: So therapy helped Ellen, time helped Alan. and in the last dozen or so years, since this psychotic breakdown, he says he knows himself way better he can notice things he wouldn't before, or at least in a way he didn't.
1: The sad thing about going crazy is that you've never done it before, and you don't know what it is, and you don't recognize it while well, it's coming, but once you have, of course, you you become a lot more aware of, of, of yourself and your, your consciousness and your subconscious, and, and you can be a little more vigilant and understand it a little more, you know. Uh, yeah, you, you're a little more attentive. You can kind of see... Okay, I'm getting stressed out here, and, and 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 I know that if I do that for days, I'm gonna eventually start getting irrational, and and, and it'll start, you know, cascading on itself. And you're like, oh no, okay, now now I'm not sleeping because I'm obsessing and stressing about something, and then that makes it worse. So you, so you, look, so for you, the, still, you look for you the you still you still deal with that sometimes. Oh, you, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. i I still have. Yeah, I'm still still bouts of depression. Uh, little, little episodes last for a day or two where I'm, I just I just kind of just get a real negative perspective. I just get real down on yourself and have a hard time. I don't know. Yeah, I'm still I'm still trying to figure that one out. I'm still I'm still trying to figure out what that is. I still have these. My wife has is has really been patient and, and good and we, we you know we've not we've known each other since we were nine and we 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 communicate. Oh, wow, that's a tough one, you know. Wow, the fact that I hesitate, I suppose the answer is no. You know, I I don't... I, I guess in many ways I don't. Just because that happened, you know. I mean, you really... You know, if you if you th- if you thought you had your if you if you th- thought you had it figured out before, you know, you, once you yeah, once you have a little mental slap in the face, it, it'll really kind of wake you up to that. So you, you have to really really be vigilant vigilant. So I, I guess I guess no, just because I know that that could happen. It, it happened once. It could probably happen again, uh, but. But at the same time, I'm. I feel like I'm having gone through it. I, I can see it. I can see things coming. I, I, I'm healthier now, um, just just in my life and physically and, and what I what I do. Which I, again, I think that was a huge factor. Um, do
0: you love yourself?
1: Ooh, that's. I don't know. I think. I think there's. I think everybody's layers. I'm probably about three layers. On the surface, I generally try to be positive and I like to be friendly and, and, and you know I'm, I'm u- usually nervous if it's too quiet and I want everybody to be all right, you know. And then underneath there's a layer of, layer of, of actually, I'm very, very frustrated and very and I, and I can be very negative and very um, impatient. And, and fatalistic, you know, and and uh, but I'm pretty convinced that way in there, there's there's a little child that's that is purely hopeful, and that for some reason that second layer can't get at, and it's been trying forever. <laughs> That can't quite get at this little layer inside me that that I don't know. That's that's the little layer that's kept me alive. And
0: so maybe you love that little guy.
1: I yeah. I hope that when it's all over, that that's the little guy that I really am. Um. But man, there's. Yeah, it's it's that second layer is so powerful. that you just almost don't want to visit the, the inner layer too much because you'll bring the, the outer layer with you. you know? But I don't know, after, after being delusional, you're really not, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you're not afraid of, you're not afraid of much. It's very weird. I think once you once you believe that you're the Antichrist, you're kind of not. Yeah, it's really weird. Like I'm not. Like, like all those little things as an adult you carry over from a the child. Or there's like t- tiny little fears of things like walking in the dark or like like walking through the woods when there's nothing there or something like that or stuff. It's like as an adult you still have those things a little bit, but like after you go crazy, it's it's gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you feel maybe stronger now
1: kind than you of, did before? Kind of stronger. It's a little bit of a letdown because you're like, oh, there's no such thing as magic, and there's no such thing as this or this or this. And no, there's not going to be a weird boogeyman that's going to surprise me in the woods and tear my arms off and have glowing eyes and scare me or whatever. You know, that's, that's, I'm you know.
0: not disappointed by that.
1: No, I'm happy no, that there's nobody there, <laughs> but, but, but on a real primal level, like literally, you can, like, like those little twinges of excitement or, or those little, like, ooh, a little bit of fear that you get as you, like, literally, yeah, like, like walking into the forest in complete, complete darkness, like, like, like you know, I think generally people would be like a little nervous, but <laughs> I guess I remember the first time I did that and realizing, wait a minute, that feeling is gone. And just and sort of searching inside your brain and realize like oh, something's changed you know it's it's in the same compartment that that sort of now is skeptical of anything that like oh yeah that makes sense yeah that feels right it's like no you know that same thing that same thing that made you made me question like okay it's the same thing that made me start from scratch with religion it's like oh wait a minute all this stuff I thought, I have to completely throw it out now and start from scratch because that mechanism for being able to tell what's true and what's not true, is, is I know what it's like to have that completely pulled out from under you and how easy that can be pulled out from under you and you not know. So, I don't know, yeah, you're more skeptical, but in a certain way, it's, it's, it's a strength because everything... Every little fragment that you do embrace and that you do know, so to speak, is 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 real and it's 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 be, it's beyond delusion.
0: Well, that's my hour.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you want to mention?
1: Oh. Wow, I don't know. I mean, this this has been great. I mean, there's there's so many. So many things about it that you could talk about, it and it's you know it's obviously therapeutic to talk about it. But I don't know. Yeah, I found it really encouraging. Just, just anyone, man, if you've gone if you've gone through that and you see someone else going through that, man, you gotta just keep just keep talking to them, you know. And even if they've got this glazed over look, like they're not even hearing anything you're saying, and they're Acting contrary to what the advice you're giving them, you gotta, you gotta keep. It's, it's going in, you know. Yeah. It's, it's going in. It's just, that, man, when you're losing it like that, it's, it's, it's chaos, man. It's the blender's running and stuff is flipping over and turning inside out like, like at a, at a, at a, you know, at a pace that you can, the, the, the nobody, we can keep track of. So. So real, real love, real understanding. As long as it's coming in, it's it's vital and it's important. So if you know, if you ever, you know, if you, even if it doesn't seem like it's getting through, you know, you got to express to that person how much you care about them and, and that you're there for them.
0: And show them respect.
1: Too. Show, them, show them respect and just show them that you're there for them. And you know, you you can you can trust that person and still help them and keep them out of danger you can trust that person and 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 someone who's going through that really desperately needs needs something And, and even if it's just a moment you know they're they're reaching for every 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 little every little fragment they can have they can grab onto that's real and that they can they can have hope and, again, even if it doesn't look like it, it's even being heard or if it's even registering, you you got to gotta trust that it's, it's helping.
0: Thank you for talking to me.
1: Sure. Yeah. Good luck, everybody. And, uh, man... Be careful. Be careful. Be careful out there.
0: An enormous thank you to Alan, to you, Alan, for talking to me about this. Um, it was a really important conversation for me, and I hope it's a really important conversation for our listeners. You can hear all of the music from today's episode at subpop.fm or you can follow us on Spotify. Um, and we have also again put some resources up on the website for anyone who is dealing with mental health struggles. A special thank you to Alyssa Atkins and Stuart Fletcher, and thanks as always to the Sub Pop Brass, Chris Jacobs, Megan Jasper, and Jonathan Poneman. Bye, guys.